now. Oh, is that microphone? Yes. Hey everyone, how are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good to be here. Good to see you, Malcolm. Glad you're here. It's good to know. Good to see at least one elder rocked up today. That's that's good. Chad goes away, just just falls to pieces. Yeah. Oh, it's great to be here. Um, I was here, what, a month ago, I think. Uh, who heard me last time I was here? Yep. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, last time I was here, I spoke on uh, church history, like Reformation, from getting the Bible in our own language, and all the revelation that came from that, and how we just kept moving forward and moving forward, and God restored truth after truth after truth, up until the 2000s, we had grace restored to the church. And we're all part of that movement. Uh, whether you like it or not, if you go to this church, you've had grace preached. Yes? And then God's taking grace into the new creation. In that grace uh, is Israelite stuck in Egypt, which is our being lost. We all know that. And a guy comes along that didn't ask for it. And he walks into the water. He splits the water. And they just follow him across. Okay? Grace. They didn't, their faith didn't split the water. They were complaining. They were against God. They were against their deliverer leader. And he still delivered them. And through they went. They'd gone to the desert. They complained. God gave them fresh water. They complained about the food. God gave them food. They complained about that food. So God gave them quail. Like grace. Grace, 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 grace. Because it's based on a promise. It's not based on your behavior. It's based on God's character to them. And so they complained the whole time and God was good to them, okay? Until they received the law and there was do good, get good, do bad, get bad. And then we see the outplaying of that until Jesus comes. But we, spiritually, when we accept Christ, that's our delivery leader, Jesus, takes us through through, uh, the Red Sea, our baptism, for free. And now he just loves us. And if you complain, he loves you. If you whinge, he loves you. If you are not thankful for his provision, he still loves you. He doesn't throw you out. He's always good to you. But the desert isn't where God wanted us to be. He wanted us in the promised land, in Canaan, the promised land. And the Israelites, to get through Canaan, had to go through another river. And the river is the River Jordan. And Jordan means death. (laughs) And the first river, Moses split it for them. The second river, they, carrying the ark of God, had to walk into the flowing river by their own choice. When they did, the river stopped flowing. After they walked to the river, the river stopped flowing, and it stopped flowing all back to a town called Adam. And then they walked into the land that God had already given them. The land was already theirs to take. Spiritually for us, that is walking into the new creation. It's going from the grace gospel of the last 10 years into the new creation message that God is bringing in these, in these 10 years, roughly. He doesn't stick to our perfect calendars. He does what he wants, but roughly these 10 years. And that is... We walk ourselves carrying the ark of God's inside us. We are now the ark of God. We carry the presence inside us. And we reckon ourselves dead. Because Jordan means death. And you reckon yourself dead all the way back to Adam. 
because you are no longer human. You now are a new creation. What you are never existed before. A whole new world has opened to you. You're a new creation, born again from above, like Jesus, your older brother. Exactly like Jesus, your older brother. So when you reckon yourself dead, you are walking through the Jordan, you're taking the Ark of the Covenant, which is God inside you, into the Jordan. You do it by a decision, by belief. And you reckon yourself dead back to Adam because you are. And in that place of reckoning yourself dead to the old man, dead to sin, but alive to Christ, one with Christ, in continual union with Christ, born again from above, loved, perfect, <laughs> new creation, then you can take your promised land. And that's the difference between that being an immature baby and a fully mature son. We're all sons. Okay, where everybody's a son. But Galatians says, if you're a son, but you're a baby, you own the whole estate, your heir and everything, but you're a baby. So someone's got to look after you, you might as well be a slave. That's what Galatians says. But if you become a fully grown son, you can take possession of your inheritance and run it for yourself. And that's what God wants. And that is the great misunderstanding of the grace gospel. People have used it to stay in the desert. I'm no longer saved. I'm in the desert. I can do what I want. And you know what? You can. You can do that. But it's not what God has for you. To stay in the desert was actually a punishment. God wants you to go into what he has for you, what he's promised for you. And that's what God's restoring to us now. It's not a new teaching. It's an old teaching being restored. If you read Christian stuff from the 300s, this is just assumed. Like They assume you know this. Yeah? But we've lost it over the years. And now God's restoring it. He's restoring it so that we may become a family, that we may live in God's kingdom, and that we may become... Uh, walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ on earth. That's what God wants for us. To be as he is, so are we now in this earth. As he is. That's from John, John 1, John 4. And remember, John saw Jesus as he is in Revelations. So he knows what he's talking about. As he is, raised and seated in heavenly places, so are we now on this earth. So you've seen God restore the fivefold ministry through the 50s to the 2000s because it's the fivefold ministry, apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, and teachers. Did I say that right? Evangelists? I said teachers. Something. There's six now. Uh, you know, Ephesians 4. Uh, they're there to build you to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Not, you, not to build you to a program, not to build you to an ideal, not to build you to their ministry, not to build you to... Uh, a cause. They're there to build you to Christ. They reconcile man to Christ. As a, as a teacher, if I'm teaching now, I don't say, Sam, come join my ministry. I say, Sam, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Over and over again, here's Jesus. So that Sam knows Jesus for himself. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he knows Jesus for himself. Because the new covenant was announced in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31. And this is where we get the term new covenant from. This is repeated again in Hebrews. It's the oldest, it's the longest Old Testament slab 
repeated in the New Testament. They've just taken the whole lot without, without commentary. And it says that I will, this is the new covenant I will make with you, Jeremiah 31. I'll remember your sins no more. And the church still fights over that. But this, this, is, this is defining what the new covenant is. Okay, so we can't argue. We get our Christianity from the Bible. We don't tell the Bible or our culture what this... We get it from here, okay? And the Bible says, This is the new covenant I will make with you. I will remember your sins no more. And the only way to... You receive that in salvation, receive it, but living in the benefit of it, you, you have to just die that fact. You can't face it up. Okay, God remembers my sins no more. He remembers my sins. You just got to surrender to God's goodness. Because if it was a strength, if you could get it by memorizing Scripture and going through it and going through it and going through it, it only belongs to people with a strong will. But the gospel is for everyone at any age, at any culture, at any economic level, at any education level, at any time in history. So if it's the, uh, might I say, white Western male ability to remember and, and go through and keep that confession, it's not for everyone. Because a single mother with three kids cannot hold a confession. But she can surrender to God's character, okay? To His goodness. That is walking into the Jordan and out. I surrender. He remembers my sins no more. And the second bit is that every man would know God for himself and no one would need to teach him. Not your neighbor, not your brother. So the whole point of the fivefold ministry is to do themselves out of a job. Because they won't last forever. It's supposed to be a temporary thing until everybody reaches the fullness of the stature of Christ. The fact that we still have them means we haven't done our job. <laughs> okay? That they're there to build you to the fullness of the stature of Christ, that you would know God for yourself as a fully mature son. Not a baby who still needs an overseer. Although you have the whole inheritance, you still need an overseer, that you would know Christ for yourself. 1 John says, no one needs to teach you. The anointing within you continues to teach you. Wow. Don't hear that preached very often, right? Okay. That is where we need to be. Coming to church on a Sunday uh, to get fed is awesome. But it has a purpose that you would know Christ. So God's taken several people that were all saints. And some of the saints have a job to teach. That's all they're doing. They're all saints. And every saint needs to know Christ for themselves. Even pastors. <laughs> and this is, what God, this is what God wants for you. That you would know Jesus for yourself. You'd be a fully mature son. Walking in your inheritance. Which is the promised land for you. And you do that by considering yourself dead. You walk into the Jordan carrying the Spirit of God because you already have it and you reckon yourself dead. Back to Adam. I am dead and born again. In fact, I'll just read that to you from Romans 6. Now I'm going to read this to you from a multi-translation version. So I'm going to repeat some verses. Okay. This is Romans 6. You've heard it before. But it's here in the context of when you receive Christ. If I receive Christ today in 2013, what has happened, the miracle of it is 
that I die with Christ on the cross. In that moment, I'm died with Christ, I'm put into the ground with him, and I've died, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead raises me up. I've actually died and gone to heaven. Because once you're with Christ, you are raised and seated in heavenly places. Because you are a spirit man, and your spirit is raised and seated in heavenly places. Yep. Okay. So we're going to see this in Scripture. Oh, I've marked it with lead pencil. I'm under a blue light. So <laughs> we'll just see what happens here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How we have died once for all to sin can breathe its air again. Know ye not <laughs> that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Do you not know that all of us who are who are do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into union with Christ, Jesus have been baptized into his death? So once you receive Christ, in the same way he died on the cross, okay. You have also died. God has declared it. You have, you have died. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Our baptism in his death made a share in his burial. So you were on the cross. You went down with him into the grave. You were buried with him. Okay? You get that at salvation, which is going to the Red Sea. But to walk to your promise, you believe it, which is walking through the Jordan. Not believe it. It's a surrender that it's true. That this is what God has done. This is, it's this good. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So the same way that Christ was raised by the power of God, we too might live, a lo- live and move in a new sphere of life. That we would also live an entirely new life that we too may habitually live and behave in newness of life. A new life you've been given. For if we have become one with him by sharing in his death, we have, so in sharing his death we become one with God, surely we shall share a resurrection life like his. This is scripture. This is explained to us what the gospel is. If you receive Christ, you've died with him, and you will share a resurrection life like his. So what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? Now we're getting a minimum standard of where we're going. Now remember, every restored truth is very offensive. <laughs> Firstly, it's blasphemy. <laughs> then it's fringe. Then it's accepted. Okay? The early Christians, oh, how will we do this? They called the process of becoming a Christian deification, in that you took on the nature of God. So let's make it very clear. Bayside Church is not saying that you are God. <laughs> it's saying you've taken on God. You become deified. That's what they called it. They said God became fully man. No, they said Jesus became like us that we could become like him. That was their saying. Because that is the, the encapsulation of the gospel. 
that we could walk as he did. One John says you must walk as he did if, if you claim to know him. We need the right gospel to walk as he did. Yes? So that's what we're straddling it out now by reading slabs of scripture. <laughs> because, because it's true. Okay. For if we have become one with him in his death by sharing in his death, which we have, surely we shall have a resurrection life like his. Surely. This is, this is what happens. Because you've died and risen again. We know that the man, we know that the man we will once have been was crucified with Christ. In order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. So you're dead. And everything in you that resisted God and the power to resist God and do your own thing is actually dead. Because that came through Adam. And when you walk through the Jordan by believing this, the river stops all the way back to Adam. The power of sin is broken. There's two things. There's sins, which is what you do, and there's sin, which is what Adam did for us. Thanks very much. Your sins are forgotten, and sin, the law of sin in you is broken. It's gone. It's in the grave. Because Jesus was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Thank you very much. Well done, team. That's good work. Okay. So when your, your transgressions are your naughties, okay? What you did wrong. Okay, then your sins. So it's pierced and then you bleed. Where? On the outside. It covers what you've done. But bruised is bleeding on the inside. For iniquity, for sin. So Jesus did it all. He broke sin, your iniquity, by being bruised, and he paid for your sins by bleeding, by being pierced. Surely we have a resurrection life like his. For we know the man that we once were, past tense, has, past tense, being crucified with Christ, past tense, in order that our body, which was the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. That henceforth we should serve sin, we should not serve sin. For the man who has so died has been pronounced righteous and released from sin. You accept Christ, you have died and been pronounced righteous and free from sin. You've been pronounced righteous. It's already done. The law court has made its decision. You are righteous. So you can boldly go before the throne of God. No matter what's happened. If you rob a bank, you can boldly go before the throne of God and talk to Him. Because you're righteous. Will there be earthly consequences for your actions? Yes, there will. But between you and your Father, you are righteous. Because you have the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't give you righteousness. Here, Gareth, have righteousness. Jesus lives inside you and he is your righteousness. You don't have righteousness. You have Christ and he is your righteousness. And Christ didn't rob any banks. Christ wasn't a bad father. Christ wasn't a bad mother. Christ didn't have a uh, mess up his marriage. Christ didn't getting the 30 grand credit card debt. Christ didn't dishonor his, 
his dad and then his dad died and never got to make it up with him. Christ didn't fool the sexual morality. Christ didn't gossip and destroy his reputation. So neither of you. Christ didn't sleep around too much to get a good husband or a good wife or to ruin his marriage. So neither of you. You are righteous. Your sins have gone and sin has gone. You have died and risen again as a spirit being righteous. Christ is your righteousness and nothing can change that. Your behavior didn't qualify you. Your behavior doesn't disqualify you. You got it by believing or else it works. And that's the offensive gift of the gospel. You were completely righteous and you can access the throne of God, the throne room of God with boldness at any time. You walk in with boldness. God, Dad, I've broken this, can you fix it? God, I need this. I just want to talk to you, whatever. With boldness, because your conscience has been sprinkled clean. Now, if you have sin on your conscience, that's your conscience you've got sin about. God doesn't have it. Now, whatever you want to do with that, just clear it. You can clear it by taking it to God and saying, God, I did this, wash it, okay, gone. Or you can do it theologically, like, well, does, you know, Bible says this, so I'm going to go to God. Whatever makes sense to you. But your sins, he counts your sins against you no more. Never. You've been declared righteous. It's done. It's done. So this condemnation that I can't get uh, remarried or I've messed up my kids and now they don't go to church or um, I've done this in my business and I, and I made some bad decisions. I started gambling and it destroyed the cash flow and destroyed my business. You can go straight back to God and start again. Because those things don't count against you. And in being before him, he will father you into being a mature son. That you may walk in your inheritance. If you stay in the desert, you say, God forgive me and give me food. And he will. And you can do that and go to heaven. (laughs) Or you can walk in what Jesus has paid for you, what he desires for you before the foundation of the earth, what he had planned for you. That's a surrender. That you're dead, thus you're righteous. And you've risen again with no condemnation, because there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. None. That means no one can, can condemn you. That means you can't condemn you. It's illegal. And that's the hardest one, to forgive yourself. To give yourself the gift you don't deserve. If you give others, forgiving yourself... Okay, you've got to die. I'm forgive myself, forgive myself, forgive myself. It's not going to work. You just have to surrender that it's true, and then behave and act out of that. This reality. Now, if we have shared the death of Christ, which we have, we believe that we shall also share in His life. Death over him no more has lordship. Death has no power no longer. Death's power to touch him is finished. For by the death he died, he once for all ended his relation to sin. But now he lives forever in unbroken fellowship with God. So you must think of yourselves as dead to sin but alive to God. Jesus lives in unbroken fellowship with God. We live in Christ. We are as he is. We live in unbroken fellowship with God. And it says, so you must think of yourselves 
as dead to sin but alive to God. Regard yourself this way. This is how you should think of yourself because it's true. This is the transaction which has happened. So you too must consider yourselves as having ended your relationship to sin but living in a broken relationship to God. I'll read that again. So you too must consider yourselves as having ended your relationship to sin but living in unbroken relation to God. Sin isn't doing naughty stuff. Sin is everything that happened from the fall. It's sickness, it's decay, it's broken relationships, it's misunderstanding, it's miscommunication, it's debt, it's poverty, it's fighting the weeds by the sweat of your brow. That's what sin is. And that's what's illegal. And it's the knowledge and the belief of this, the surrender to it, that will let us establish the kingdom of God on earth. We need to call that's illegal, that's illegal. But unless we know it's illegal, we won't call it. And if you think you're a little bit guilty, a little bit deserving of it, you won't call it. You are completely righteous and you are dead to sin. Sin and death no longer have any dominion over you. You are over it because you are raised and seated in heavenly places in heaven and death and sin don't exist in heaven and that is who you are. That is your home. You are in heaven raised up and seated, which is to be at rest. When you're seated, there's nothing more to do. You're raised and seated. The work's been done for you. You've been adopted into a royal family, but better than adopted, born again as one of them. This is who you are. This is who you are. It's a knowledge of this that will allow you to walk through the Jordan and do the things God wants to give you. Because when God says to Sam, I want to give you this, if he is still conscious of the old man, he will instantly disqualify himself. Why? Because he's disqualified. The old man doesn't deserve it. deserves death. It deserves punishment. But he is that no longer. He has died with Christ and risen again, a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. What he is never existed before, says one translation. So you die, and now as he is, so are you now in this earth. It's not something to be attained to by holiness and righteousness and church attendance. It's a gift of what you are. Because you will never attain to it. How many more years will it take to, to get there? Hundred, three hundred, it's a gift. So you die with him, you rise as him. You get that in salvation as he is. So you die with him, you are crucified with Christ, and you rise as him. One spirit. If any man be in Christ, he's one spirit with the Lord. I have Christ's spirit and Jesus' spirit in me. And they're like two gas tanks, and I pull from one and pull from the other. They're one spirit. My spirit is Jesus Christ's spirit. My spirit is Christ's spirit, is my spirit. I am one with God. I am part of the Trinity in being one with God. Now, I wasn't part of the Trinity in that I said, yes, let's create human beings, okay? <laughs> I was created by them, and they've embrace me back into that very initial relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am one with them. I'm a royalty. I'm a king and I'm a priest. Exactly like my brother Jesus. Exactly like him. 
except he was first, so he will have the preeminence in everything. So I'm a king, like my brother, Jesus is the king, but he's the king of kings. And you're the kings that he's kings of. I'm a priest exactly like Jesus is a priest, but he's the high priest. Yeah? But we're still all priests. We are everything that he is, we are nothing that he's not, except he was first. And he will always be first because he was slain before the foundations of the earth. You can't beat him. And this thing that he has earned, he gives to you. And you walk in it by faith. Not faith, because not every person of every culture, every education of any time in history can do that. It's a surrender faith that it's true. Because only like a child can you enter the kingdom by believing Yes? Because the church is moving to a place where it's the uh, perfect, pure and spotless bride. Because Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Not people hiding in their heels with guns and groceries. Okay? And gold, if they're well invested. That's not it. The whole rapture theory concept, uh, I'm not for it or against it. There's so many different versions of it. I don't know. But... Our souls, our fearful souls have taken it into an us and them. Jesus coming back. You guys are going to hell. We're going to stay here and uh, not watch TV because we're righteous, you know, whatever. Okay, I watch PG, but I won't watch M. But I watch M, but I won't watch R. You know, you know, this whole clash of cultures which has come through Western Christianity, especially uh, through American Christianity, us and them. And we're going to beat that culture. They're going to beat that culture. We're here to transform the culture, part of the world, but not of the world. I've used rapture theory that the rapture bus stop. This is wait here till Jesus comes back. Okay, we used to control the arts, all, all art, all classical music. You go back; it's all dedicated to God, because all creativity was from the Creator. But since the rapture theory came back in, the, in about the 1860s, or rapture. Just started preaching. It was originally preached that Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride, so it's good. Okay, I'm not bagging it. It's, it's good. But we turned it into, uh, let's get out of here, man. The naughty people can go to hell, and the good people, which is the wrong concept for the kether, are going to go to heaven because we go to church. Okay, we've lost it. Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride, so he's coming back for a bride, and he will be evenly yoked, which means a bride that as he is, He's not coming back for a rescue mission. He's not coming back to marry some girl out of poverty. He's already done that. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride who walks like he does, as he is. And the only way to get there is to be saved. Sozo. Saved, spirit, delivered, soul, healed, body. Saved, healed, delivered. And the power to salvation, the only power to salvation, is the gospel. And that's what we're getting today. The gospel. The good news. Not good instruction. There's lots and lots of good instruction. And it is, it's good instruction. The good news is what's been done. This is what's been given to you. When you accepted Christ, it became yours forever. You're a new creation. You live in the benefits of it by believing. By believing, a surrender. 
faith isn't a rising up. It can be if your soul's yelling like, this is terrible. You might have to, okay. But that's a momentary thing. Faith is a sitting down. It's a resting what Christ has done. For he who has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his strivings and his works. So if you've entered into Christ's rest, there's nothing more to do. In fact, in John 6, it says, they say, Jesus has done all these amazing miracles, like feeding people and stuff like that. And everyone's like, wow, we're in. This is awesome. And they say, tell us, Jesus, what do we have to do to do the work that God requires? Which is a great question. What does God require? What do we have to do? And Jesus answers the question directly, which means it's a good question. It's a dumb question. He does other things. He, he says, he answers the question directly, because it's a very good question. This is the work that God requires of you, to believe in the one whom he sent. So the question you need to ask yourself is, do I believe in the one whom, whom he sent? If you do, your work is done. Your work is done. Now all you do is live with your Father and do what you see Him doing. You want to be like Christ. And Christ says, I do what I see my Father doing. I say what my Father says. I judge a right to judge for another's glory. You belong to Him now. and You follow Him. But if you don't reckon yourself dead, you will disqualify yourself when God says, do this. You go, wow, that's good for people. You'll hear someone preach at the front about Africa or arts down the road or people healing other people you go wow that's good for some christians that is the disqualification that is not reckoning yourself dead you can see how, how we do it all the time i do it yeah i haven't reckoned myself dead when i hear things and go wow that's good for some people <laughs> but the inheritance is for everyone whatever's in the kingdom is yours everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Where is it? It's already inside you. It's already there because Christ is inside you. And He created everything. Everything you need for life and godliness is already there. And you receive it by believing it. The same way you got saved, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, is the same way you receive anything from heaven. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Because anyone of any culture, at any age, at any education level can do that. If you can receive Christ, which is the big one, you can receive anything. But we need to reckon ourselves dead because what God has for us is just universally good and we reject universally good because we know we don't deserve it. Or we reckon ourselves dead. And you surrender to the fact that God is just good to me. And His goodness leads you to repentance. If you want to change, don't wash your car and take it to the car wash. Take the dirty car to the car wash and let the machine do it. The price has been paid. It's his goodness that leads you to metanoia, changing of your mind. Meta change is a metamorphosis. Noia, your head. Nous. You hear that word? Need your nous? Yeah. Change your head. Let him change your head. Because it is God 
that causes you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So, do what God wants you to do. No, no. God saved you. Salvation was his idea and he's doing it. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. What he started is going to finish. If you're unfaithful, he is still faithful. He can't deny himself. Is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ is going to cause you to do what God wants. Because it says in Philippians, I believe, that God causes you to will, so to desire, and to act, to do, according to his good pleasure. To will, soul, act, body. Salvation has come, spirit, soul, body. The spirit causes you to will in your soul and act in your body according to his good pleasure. You've been saved. You were wretched and were saved. He did it all. He paid for the whole thing. Otherwise, it's the cross plus something. It's the cross plus your 10% of income on the gross. Or it's the cross plus your Bible attendance. Or the cross plus not swearing. Or the cross plus not messing up your first two marriages. He paid for it all. It's a complete package. It is finished. To work is to deny the cross. And Galatians goes into that and it's very strong. The Corinthians were naughty people, naughty people. And Paul says, I don't have permission to tear you down, but only to build you up. Galatians were very well behaved people. And Paul says, you're fools, you're idiots, you're under Satan, you're denying the cross. I've appreciated you for nothing. You made the cross worth nothing, he says to them. They were an excellent Western church. The Corinthians were not a very good Western church. And they had signs, wonders and miracles, the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says, make sure you do it for love. <laughs> but don't get berated. The people using performance to impress God get berated. The naughty people, he says, let's walk to maturity. That's offensive. That's the gospel. I haven't used my notes. They're gone. (laughs) Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, who is abundant in compassion, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, because of his great love, his intense love, the excess of his love has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, our sins had made us dead men, had made dead men of all of us, has quickened us together with Christ, has caused to share the life of Christ, as we know the resurrected life of Christ, gave life to us in giving life to Christ. By grace you are saved. It is, remember, by grace and not by achievements that you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So we're dead. And has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places together. And in Christ Jesus has raised us up, has, past tense, raised us up with him from the dead and seated us with him in the heavens. Right now you are seated in the heavens. 
because you are spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, spirit. Spirit, soul, body. That Thessalonians verse we get it from, we always quote it as saying, and may God keep you body, soul, and spirit. But it doesn't say that. It says spirit, soul, body. And all that in Scripture is important. You are a spirit. This is my sermon. It's gone now. We've left it. But you are a spirit being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You live from your spirit, through your soul, and out of your body. From the holy of holies, the inner court, the outer court, the rest of the world. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You are a spirit being. You live from your spirit. You are a spirit being. This is what you are. This is next week's sermon, because I'm not running another one. <laughs> this, this, this is next week's sermon. But you are a spirit being. So we're just laying the platform for being a spirit being. We're going to talk about it next week. Okay? He has lifted us right out of the old life to take our place with him in Christ Jesus in the heavens.